Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, and I am super excited to have Blaze Kennedy on the podcast today. Blaze's work is a result of his personal transformation, which began in 2010 when he checked to a drug rehab center. At 24 years old and after many years of avoidance, struggle, and difficulty, Blaze was finally ready to face reality. And after five months of treatment, Blaze saw tremendous benefit in every area of his life and experience. He left the treatment center with one question, how far and how deep can I take this? And how much transformation is possible? Every moment since then has been the fulfillment, the living answer to his question. Um, today, Blaze shares the most valuable and essential elements of awakening and healing so that you may know how far and how deep your life can go. And how he has transformed his life is by using spirituality. And that is why I am having him on the show today, because I know that there are people listening who have experienced harm in religion or either in a toxic spirituality, but they still want to find a healthy spirituality um, because they feel they need that as a part of their healing journey. And so I want to thank you, um, Blaze, so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. I'm excited to see where we go together. Yes, I think um, when we're talking about subjects like this, I think it's very um, important to define terms because I know spirituality can mean different things to different people but pertaining to the background that they grew up in. So what is spirituality to you? Well, I'll answer it through from my background as I came mm -hmm. from a non-spiritual family. Mm -hmm. I wasn't religious. I, there were no traditions. No one told me their views on spirituality. There was just kind of a, 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 a gap, a blank spot, an absence of, mm -hmm. of understanding. So when I, when I went to treatment when I was 24, there was a kind of an open discovery process. Spirituality really could be whatever mm. I decided was true for me. That's how my search began. And what I decided is that spirituality was not something that I wanted to think about very much. Mm. It was something that I wanted to feel and experience. Mm. So I was comfortable using words like God, but um, what I what I really wanted was an experience. That's what I was really seeking. And now my understanding, the way that I would describe it is, I would take the first part of the word, spirituality, spirit, and for me, spirituality is the realization that life is made out of spirit. So you could ask me the same question, what is spirit? Well, spirit is not matter. It's not an object. Its existence is more 
miraculous than that. Mm. I guess that's probably a charged word for yeah. <laughs> spiritual people too. My experience now is that life is made out of the same substance pervasively. My whole experience is made out of one dreamlike substance that I would call spirit or consciousness or energy or light. All of these mm. are ways to describe my felt sense of my experience of being alive. And at different points in my journey, I would have said that it felt different or that spirituality mm. was mm. Uh, different things. But today I would describe um, spirituality as my experience of life, is that life is made out of a single dreamlike substance of energy, which I am exploring. That's my experience. Oh, yes. Wow. I love that. And um, and kind of, I know you said that you kind of discovered spirituality when you're at a rehab center. So could you talk about really your story and what began your interest in spirituality? Yeah, that the question is always where to start my story. Yeah. As I said, I didn't grow up in a, mm -hmm. uh, a religious community. I've heard your story. My my upbringing was very different. Mm -hmm. I, there was no binding structure around me. I went to school. I you know, watched TV. I played mm -hmm. sports. I did things like that. And no one in my world really spoke very deeply or passionately about religion or the, the, the truth of life or any of these things. Um, and, you know, for, it, it wasn't a, a deep consideration for mine, actually, until I got really stuck, until I was experiencing mm. a lot of pain. I would have been happy to, I don't know, just do ordinary worldly things, but I wasn't able to. I, I really struggled to, in school. I struggled mm. to be in relationship with people. I struggled really at every facet of my life. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I had problems with drugs Mm. I lied all the time. I couldn't. I couldn't function very well. I, I wasn't able to, you know, set goals and meet them. I, I just really didn't like myself very much mm. or where my life was going. And even that was not enough. I. It got worse. It got worse because I turned to drugs for mm. a solution. Because drugs are kind of like that experience of spirit that I described. Mm. When you take drugs, you. The world feels magical. That's the purpose of doing drugs for me, at least. It was to enter a magical realm. But there was it didn't transfer to everything mm. I did. Drugs didn't help me be in a relationship. Yeah. They didn't help me function. They didn't help me care about mm. myself or other people. They didn't really help me understand life either. Mm. So I got really stuck. You know, I was really dependent upon drugs to take care of me, uh, to give me good experiences, but I had nothing else. So eventually I as many drug addicts do, I ran out of money and choices. Mm. And I was offered the opportunity to go to a treatment center. And what I started to realize at the time was that I was trying to get something from drugs mm. that was really important. I, I don't know. It, it wasn't like a rational process by which I discovered this, but I just realized there's something that I'm seeking. There's some impulse that i'm trying to satisfy and drugs are not it drugs are a dead mm -hmm. end so i just decided it must be spirituality that must be what i'm looking for i'm certainly mm -hmm. not that interested in you know be going back to school or traveling mm -hmm. the world I, I want some kind of experience 
And so when I went to treatment, I realized that it, again, it wasn't going to be drugs. So what mm-hmm. is it? What is the, What is this satisfying, mm-hmm. meaningful experience of life that I'm going to have and how I'm going to get it? But when I started a treatment, the big questions like that were important, but the really, the, the, the process that I had to start was just being honest with myself and other people. Yeah. And I would say it's very hard to understand big truths if you can't understand the little truths about your, mm. about yourself as a human being. Mm. So it, the process of being in treatment for five months was very rigorous, uh, mm-hmm. meaning they didn't let us do very much else other than be in therapy. And we didn't, we weren't allowed to bring books or, mm. uh, or, you know, go to the mall or whatever, yeah. watch TV. We just hung out with each other and talked about the reality of our lives. And what I discovered was that I loved it. Mm. I actually loved discovering what was true about myself, about other mm. people. And it, it made the whole past 10, 12 years of my life seem silly. Like I've been mm. avoiding all kinds of truths and all kinds of responsibility. And turns out after all this time, I loved it. I loved discovering mm. what was true. I love taking responsibility. And what I realized was that the first step for me was to learn how to be honest about myself. Mm. That was the first step. If there was no honesty within myself, I wasn't going anywhere. So that's what I started with. It's not like I've ever left that, but that, yeah. that was my foundation. And what I realized was that, that the reason that I wasn't able to uh, be honest with myself wasn't because I was a bad person or because I was lazy or mm-hmm. because there was something wrong with me. I was, a re- I was, I was doing this. I was avoidant because, because of, of trauma. Trauma is mm. the, by necessity, I have to avoid experiences that have yeah. overwhelmed me. Mm. That's my working definition of, of trauma today. It's just any experience that we have, which is overwhelming. Mm. And that means if it's overwhelming, we can't stay with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't get to know and feel myself in all the places that I've been overwhelmed. Mm. It's like a, um, like a escape hatch or a, mm. what is it when you're in a airplane and the, the pilot pulls the chute, like a ejection seat. It's like an yes. ejection seat mm. for your own body and, and humanity. Yeah. Mm. It's too much. So I would leave. And mm. where I lived is in a kind of like a fantasy mm. world where I spent a lot of time thinking yeah. and it never occurred to me that this was a, because of trauma or the, or the mm. overwhelming experiences I'd had. Yeah. And the biggest one was that my, my father, uh, who I had both a wonderful and difficult relationship, mm. he had died when I was 12 years old. Oh, wow. I would have told you that, yeah, I got over it, you know? Mm. No, yeah. I, I grieved and got over it. But when I went to treatment, I discovered mm. that was not even close to being true. I was yeah. nowhere close to being true. What I had done actually is that I just left my body. I just mm. stopped feeling what was true. Disassociated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. and then again, drugs are, are, are really useful when you can't mm. feel. If you can't yeah. live in your body, drugs are yeah. a, a wonderful way to cope. Mm. So all of a sudden, as I started to discover this, again, just by feeling my body and telling mm. people what I felt in my body is what I mean by being honest. Mm. All of a sudden, things in my life changed. I, I wasn't 
in danger of being a drug addict anymore. I was motivated. I was clear. My relationship with my mother, who'd been very tolerant of me for a mm. long time, improved. I was able to form meaningful relationships with people. Mm. I didn't feel so disconnected. I mm. realized that I could manage conflict. I could get through mm. things. I could reach out for help. And I started to realize that being honest was a kind of like superpower that I had. Like I'd, mm. for most of my life, the truth had been a burden. Like I didn't want to be seen feeling, you know, whatever I felt. I didn't want to be known in my inner world. I wanted to avoid that as much as possible. And I just completely flipped. So I, I got really invested in mm. discovering what was true for me and sharing that with other people. Wow. So how does this relate mm -hmm. to spirituality? Well, we'll get into it. But the, again, this was the this was the most important thing for me mm. at the time. And I, I knew I wasn't going to. So the treatment center that I went to, and what's common is, is AA program or, or NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous, and AA is mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a quasi Christian-y yeah. kind of thing. And I really, I found that it really worked. I really understood it, but I knew mm -hmm. somehow I knew that I wouldn't, that's not what I was ultimately going to use as my path to spirituality. But for two years, mm -hmm. I was very invested in it. Mm -hmm. I did all the things that they told me to do and I, mm -hmm. I got a lot out of it. So you know, two years later, I still didn't know what spirituality was, but I at least had established that whatever the truth was, I wasn't looking for it as a way to escape my life anymore. Mm. I wasn't trying to escape my life so much. So I was off to a, I was off to a good start. And I'll just pause and see if there's anything you want to pick up. From. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love it when uh, people really give those in-depth and personal answers. And um, just hearing about your experiences, um, you know, with dealing with that trauma is that, you know, trauma is just, it's a terrible terrible cycle that makes thing everything it's just it changes your perception of the world around you and of yourself and really like you were saying that disconnection that you're talking about trauma um it really does disconnect us from other people and it really prevents us from meeting um a lot of psychological social and emotional needs and i could just hear that kind of in your story because as you know as human beings we need that love and that connection, we need to be able to be like seen, heard and understood by the people around us. But that trauma, it can just cause us to um, disconnect or disassociate um, to really try to protect us. <clears throat> really, that's what our mind and body is trying to do uh, from dealing with those things. And um, I'm really a big fan of Carl Jung's work. So when you talk about being truthful and being honest and dealing with those hard things, it just makes me think of um, dealing with the shadow part of ourselves, the part of us that we're afraid of, that we're scared of, that we want to ignore and that intimidate us. And people can associate shadow with the negative um, light, but it's not really. It's just shadow just means the things that we're afraid to deal with or we're afraid to face. And Jung was all about integrating or really getting in touch with those shadow parts of ourselves that we are afraid of and don't want to deal with and integrate it into our personality or into our life um, to have a balanced um, personality or psyche, basically. And 
Um, and it, it is really sad because people who are traumatized, um, sadly, addiction um, happens a lot to people who are traumatized because they don't. I mean, I think our society is getting better about it, but we have a lot more to go about mental health and dealing with trauma. <laughs> a lot to go. <laughs> um, because for me, when I was struggling with trauma, but I was unaware there was trauma because I lacked um, the education and language about it. Um, you know, I went to a doctor and they were like, oh, it's a chemical imbalance. Here's a drug. <laughs> Here's medication. And um, for me, like, um, obviously, addictive substances are so much different than like um, antidepressants or medications, obviously. But I think, you know, in the sense of comparing the two, um, they both can cover up what is truly going on beneath the surface. And like, you know, I'm all for, um, you know, using medication that's prescribed for a doctor because I think that can help in, al in alignment with therapy also, mixing the two together. Um, but I think from my experience, um, it wasn't um, just, it wasn't just brain chemistry that was, and then if I just fix the brain chemistry, we find it was trauma that needed to be healed and, you know, trying to medicate it or cover it up wasn't going to work. And so that's when after, again, so much of what you did with being honest with yourself and truly digging deeper and understanding what's really going on and finding a solution um, that is really going to help you grow and, and make you better in the long run, uh, which is really what I see in your story, which inspires me so much, is this, this drive for personal growth and becoming better and not just ignoring issues or doing a quick fix or something that's not really um, going to help. And so, I mean, I mean, what is there a specific spiritual practice that you used or that you discovered that really helped transform your life and helped you heal and grow as a person? Absolutely. There were a number of things, but I just want to follow up from what you said. And we have the same experience that we grew up in a world mm -hmm. that didn't recognize trauma. Yeah. Uh, when I look back, it's it's like, well, it's obvious. I mean, yeah, it is <laughs> not so obvious yeah. to, for to me, but also to everyone else. That mm -hmm. This is why why I was having so much trouble again. Mm. But when you grow up in a traumatized world, mm -hmm. nobody can see it because yeah. they're affected by it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. most definitely, there are people like me that stand out, or homeless people, or whatever, mm. whatever that really stand out. But it's a universal and a human phenomenon. Trauma mm, is a universal yes. human phenomenon. And mm -hmm. I was just forced to go first before mm, the rest um, of the culture did. Yeah. Uh, so the a word shadow is a great word. And my understanding, and I used to think of it, use the word shadow, again, mm -hmm. moving towards dark parts of myself. But the way I would mm -hmm. describe it now is if you think about how a shadow is created, like in, mm -hmm. in, in the world, there's a source of light. And then there's an object that's blocking that light. Yeah. And then it casts a shadow. So the shadow is not really the thing, is it? It's a mm -hmm. symptom of something. Yeah. What's real that. is actually there's an object that's blocking the light. Mm. So yeah. what we might start with is actually by seeing our shadows, the symptoms mm. of the trauma. Yeah. So I saw through my life a lot of symptoms 
Mm. You know, that I, I was lying and stealing and using drugs and my performance in school was, but no one in my world was able to see what's the actual object that's blocking mm. Blaze's potential. N no one could see it. It's certainly not myself. And so the, the first thing is I have to be curious, why is this happening? Like, yeah. I'm not trying to just fix, I tried for a long time to just mm. fix the symptoms and I would guess at why it was like this. But what I recognized is that there's actually people in human history and in the world that could show me how to feel what's in the way. Yeah. And that something is actually, it's going to be in my body. Mm. So when I have when I have a lot of thinking or when I have patterns of belief or action or behavior, the first place that I would I would go, I, I learned to go is into my body. And this became more and more clear over time. Now, at first it was not so obvious. Uh, to some degree, the 12-step programs are kind of mental-based, but I found two things which uh, really helped me. And one is I met a, another or a spiritual teacher at the time, and he had an amazing ability to see and help people see what was happening in their body. I'd never seen anything like it. I was absolutely blown away. And people would ask him questions. They'd say, you know, I this is the problem that I have, and I don't really understand it. And he would say, you know, when I, when I look at you, I can see the younger parts of your development mm. that have experienced, and he could describe their early mm. life experience. And he'd mm. say, I'm not just imagining this, like I'm feeling this in your body. I'm mm. feeling this when I relate to you because he could feel his body so much that relationship was a place where whatever it is that you've experienced in your life, he could access. And it blew my mind. I'd never seen mm. anything like it. I remember that I, we were practicing learning to relate in this way in a group. And he said, uh, or I, I was feeling really angry. And there were these two people that I was practicing with. And I was just feeling kind of like angry mm. and um, it didn't feel very good. And both the people mm. in my group were like, uh, and I, they, they weren't, they didn't feel very comfortable with me. So we finished this little exercise where we were practicing relating and feeling our body. And I turned to this man whose name is Thomas Hubel. I remember I put my hand up to ask him a question. My question was going to be, I'm angry. Why am I angry? I don't mm. know why I'm angry. I put my hand up and I turned to him. I remember as he looked at me, I felt like my body was transparent, like he could see absolutely through me. I'd never mm. had this experience in my life before. And I asked my question, I said, I'm feeling really angry. And what I noticed is he was really looking at me, like in my body, I could feel that he was paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. I never experienced this before. I had heard people listen to my words before, but I'd never felt that someone was really aware and connected to what mm -hmm. I was feeling. I remember I was like, I was like shaking. I was, it was oh, so... Wow so intimate and he looked at me i asked him my question and he looked at me and he said for me when i see you what i see is that you punish the world for not seeing you mm. 
And his words were so accurate to what I was feeling. It was like he had named mm. something so essential about how I learned to relate to the world. Mm. What his reflection of me felt so true. And I'd never had anything like this happen to me before. And I just took this in. I was like, yes, I, I absolutely do that. That's what I'm doing. I'm actively doing that right now. And I left that workshop kind of just amazed. And I thought, I didn't know that people could know this much about themselves and about mm. other people. I didn't know that people could feel and connect and understand each other in this way. It was all quite sort of fancy and mystical. Mm -hmm. But my thirst for knowledge and discovery was really, really elevated. So many years later, uh, what I would say is what he is describing, what I'm describing, which sounds, I don't know, uh, fancy. I hope it doesn't sound like some sort of miraculous revival thing, but it's it's a practice which people all around the world are learning to do. It's it's somatic therapy, really, and it's the understanding that when we relate, mm -hmm. the things that you say and feel, I can feel them too. Mm. Which is actually how it's supposed to work between yeah. a parent and a child. That's what it's supposed to do. Mm. I'm supposed to actually be connected body to body, nervous mm. system to nervous system to my whole world. Yeah. So this was the primary thing that I, you know, I got turned on to that I've spent a lot of time doing is learning to feel my body, mm. describe what I feel, and have another person, you know, off therapist or some, somebody that I'm practicing with, feel mm. with me. And the amazing thing is when I just express what I feel and somebody actually can feel that with me, it changes. Mm -hmm. Most yeah. of the problems we have are not from the feelings we have. Most of the problems we have are because people were not seen in them because mm -hmm. they don't actually get to move because we're wow. waiting for someone to actually understand the messages that we're sending out to the world all the time about our about our, our, our emotional state, about mm -hmm. you know how comfortable we are in our body, but all this information that we're sending out, which is meant to be shared. Mm -hmm. And so I, I spent my whole life not sharing, right? Not being seen mm -hmm. in my experience. So yeah, I, I, that was that's one of the two primary things that I would emphasize is that you know that it's possible to be connected. At, mm. at a very, very deep level, and it was something we can feel. Mm. So again, I just pause and see plans <laughs> for you. Yeah. No, I mean, as you were talking about it, I was waiting to see if you would talk about somatic therapy because um that's kind of what maybe thought of it. I'm like, oh, like, you know, somatic therapy is being aware of your body and um getting in touch with that part of yourself. And to really add in those um, spiritual aspects to it, I think um, is so powerful. And I think just when you said that um, it's not our feelings um, that are really causing us all this pain, it's just um, the inability to be able to express and to share and to have our feelings and experiences be seen, heard and understood. Like that is so, so true and so powerful. Um, because I think a lot of people um, avoid themselves so much, whether it's through um, working all the time or through drugs, sex and alcohol, because they're so scared with, about that part of themselves because they've never experienced that part of themselves with someone else. 
and they're not sure what's going to happen when those um, harder emotions come up. And, um, you know, sadly, I think we live in such like an emotionally um, repressed <laughs> world so greatly. It's emotional intelligence is something that I think definitely needs to start. And we really be taught in schools with how to deal with your own feelings and how to treat other people and how to adapt um, to different social situations. And I think it's something that millennials and Gen Z are um, starting to realize <laughs> a lot. And we're trying, we're grappling with the effects and we want to fix it because I think, especially with Gen Z, we've seen the effects um, in our own parents um, because of that lack of emotional regulation and being able to deal with yourself. And, you know, sadly, you know, when you grow up in a household, when emotions are repressed and you're not, you don't have connection, you're not seen or heard, that causes that trauma and that cycle continues. And um, it's interesting, you know, when I started learning about trauma, because, um, you know, trauma can be caused by things that happen to you, but trauma can also be caused by things that that does not happen to you. Like there are emotional and psychological needs that need to happen at certain times of development. And if you do not get those certain things, that will cause trauma. It causes that emptiness um, because you needed something um, to grow emotionally, psychologically that was really required to um, grow healthily and it didn't happen. And so it leaves that hole and, you know, your mind and your body want to somehow find a way to really um, fill that need that was not um, fulfilled. And it's just, when, you know, whenever I, people talk about connection, um, I always think about Brene Brown. Um, I don't know if you've read her book, Atlas of the Heart, um, but it is an incredible book that I think it goes through like 80 plus emotions, <laughs> which the idea that we had 80 plus emotions was just insane to me. <laughs> and so when I read the description of her book that she goes through these emotions and why you have them and how to deal with them and why they're there, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and Renee Brown's thing is she really wants to help the next generation become emotionally intelligent so we can stop this cycle of trauma from this issue of disconnection um, that is really happening so much. And I think, you know, technology definitely has a part to do with that because I think technology is a way <laughs> we avoid those harder. It's another way we avoid those harder emotions and harder um, situations. And um, to me, when I read Brene's Brown book, Alice of the Heart, kind of like the moments it sounds like that you had with that spiritual teacher about realizing things you didn't realize about um, yourself. And I guess you would say also just feeling validated um, for your experiences. And um, Brene Brown, she talks about, you know, um, there's a difference between belonging and fitting in. Um when you fit into a group or you try to fit into a group, it really means um, you're really not allowed to be yourself. Um, you have to conform to what they want. You cannot be authentic. And because of that, you are not seen and you, you are not heard. But if you belong in a group, you feel loved and accepted for who you are. You, you're able to show every single part of yourself, even your shadow, and not be judged. 
and you are seen, heard, and understood. And that is so important. Um, uh, as social beings, you really need that. And sadly, um, we we don't get that. And like for people who are listening, I know a lot of my viewers are listeners. They grew up in very toxic religious environments and emotions were demonized a lot in these toxic religious environments a lot of us were hurt we heard messages like we can't trust ourselves our flesh is evil or whatever or our body's evil or we can't trust our thoughts or emotions so like we're like in that kind of environment um a lot of us we just be we were basically taught to disconnect from ourselves, which is really unhealthy, really unhealthy. And when you disconnect with yourself, you can't emotionally regulate. You can't understand what's going on. And like, there are other ways that people um, and different um, situations happen to disconnect because of different trauma and different things. But you just, when you're so disconnected from yourself, um, you become so dependent and reliant on things outside of yourself um, to deal with that. And so, for example, with you, it was drugs. And um, for some people, um, it can be completely being dependent on being codependent on a relationship or a cult leader, or are there, you know, many other things that people um, do to uh, feel that need. And it was interesting, because in the kind of environment that I grew up in, um, it was basically taught that, you know, um, basically that Jesus was the only way to find true happiness in your life. And it was the only way to find fulfillment and you would grow. Every part of your life would grow spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Um, and that never happened for me. And I saw a lot of people in my life where they claimed, they claimed that they were so close to God or Jesus or whatever, and that they were growing in every area. I saw areas in their lives that they were not dealing with it, ignoring where they were suffering a lot, but just didn't want to deal with them. And so I think a lot of people, you know, who are listening, um, really breaking out of that mindset of really like you can't trust yourself and learning that. And for me, um, getting out of the environment was learning that I have the solutions to my own problems or I can be my own hero and that only I can find what's healthy for me. There's like, um, there's no creed or prayer uh, that I could cite over and over again to magic. This is it's this magical thinking that happens, but it's truly digging deeper and understand what's going on. And I think that's um, what I love so much about your approach to spirituality is that. Um, it's about really getting in touch with your body and understanding what's going on and not judging it and just understanding it and letting it be seen and really heard. And so is there like a specific, I don't know, is there like, do you label yourself as like a part of a certain spirituality or is, is it, that's just your approach to life basically is what you're talking about? Well, I find at this point, I find resonance between my experience and different spiritual mm -hmm. traditions. But I, I like evolution. I like that we do things that are new. Yeah, it's not to disparage the great traditions mm -hmm. of the past, all of yeah. them. Yeah, but I'm really excited 
about what is coming Ooh. this planet and what we can yes. do that's new. So most of my most of my path has been there's a big shift for me from what should I be experiencing? Mm. What does someone else say is true? To just what am I experiencing now? Mm. If I'm going to find out the big truth about life, it has to be happening now. Mm. So again, when we talk about being honest with ourselves, it was this shift towards not what should I be feeling or what mm. should I be thinking? Uh, what am I thinking? Uh, what am yes. I feeling? Mm. So as you're describing culturally, that's mm. not our culture. Our mm -mm. culture isn't based on accurately recognizing and expressing what is happening now. Again, mm. when we're disconnected from ourselves, we can't say often how we feel. Mm, so no. we just say words. There's lots of words that people can say. Some yeah. are beautiful, some are ugly. Yeah. But the essence of what's actually true for me right now often mm. goes unsaid. So the first thing that I would say is I started to not care about what other people Mm. thought was true it's helpful if yes. it's helpful for me but mm. the most important thing is what is true for me now and again we start with emotionally mentally how, how do i feel in my body mm. what is my actual experience yeah. And as I started to get more comfortable with that, again, and I enjoyed it, I enjoyed mm. the process of discovering, yeah. oh, I'm talking, but I'm just sort of speaking on top of something that I haven't noticed. I connect to that. My whole experience changes. So mm. I got comfortable with that. I My experience was that my relationship to my body became more in harmony with life. So mm. if I was going to see the big truth of life, it was because I was actually living more in harmony with it because mm -hmm. my feelings, what's happening now, the movement of my flesh, of my energy mm -hmm. can't be separate from the rest of life. Mm -hmm. you, if you looked out into I, out my window, I see a bunch of trees and there's a river. You wouldn't ever look at one aspect of nature and say, well, that part is doing it wrong. That tree's got it all wrong. It's crooked. I don't understand why that tree of its own free will has decided to be crooked. There must be something wrong with it. What you, what I see when I look at nature, I think most people do, is it's a, it's an exquisite organism, and all of it is mm. functioning perfectly. Nothing wrong with any of it. Mm -hmm. And this allows me to see the forest and the trees. Uh. I can recognize the uniqueness of every tree, and I can see the forest as a whole. Right? Does, mm. that, does that make sense? Yes. So, my relationship to spirituality is really based on I want to be able to see myself, but I mm. also want to be able to see the whole of my experience. And mm. the more that I can just see myself how I am, it opens uh, the door to seeing how everything is it is. Uh, yes. This, this approach has been, you know, it's somatic therapy and, and what Thomas Hubel offers is a big part of it. And there are lots of Eastern traditions mm. like Western people were speaking about that really made sense to me. They would describe meditation as just mm. listening to what's happening right now. I spent a mm. lot of time meditating. I didn't make myself a Buddhist or a Hindu, but yeah. I really appreciated the pointers. Now, as I'm learning about how to be with life as it actually is, there are many people in the world who are further along than me. And when mm. they would talk about their experience of being with how things are, I would go, that makes so much sense. You know, mm. that really helps me to be more with how things are. 
I'm not just mm. reciting what they say, yeah. but their understanding of how this moment is actually moving and living and created. I would go, oh yeah, it is like that. Or, you know, I'm really curious. So along the way, I there was another sort of famous Zen Buddhist teacher. His name's Adi Shanti. And I used to just listen to him over and mm. over. I just love the sound of his voice everything he said felt so relevant. And what would happen is he would point out things and I would just be walking through my life and I would go, it is like that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. No, it is like that. That's the way this moment is actually constructed. That is what's really happening mm -hmm. right now. And it, it's not like I would think about it. It was just, mm -hmm. I would recognize that this is how things work. So along the way, there were, you know, Adi Shanti and Thomas Hubel. There were several other teachers that had said things that really were interesting to me. But primarily, what they would point to is, this is my experience. This, what's your experience? Mm. You know, you, just as in relationship, I don't tell you how you should feel. I just want to know how you actually feel. The spirituality that really interested me is, this is my experience. What's, what's yours? So I felt very free to discover for myself what, what life consciousness, what reality was. And in the freedom of this, I have kind of made my own discoveries, which are very similar, I think, to mm -hmm. what I've heard in other traditions. And mm -hmm. so I'm not aligned with any of those traditions particularly, but as mm -hmm. you described, I'm very interested in helping create a culture that's less bound to what should be and yes. more productively mm. aware of what actually is happening now. And the and there, there are two, two ways to do that. One is, again, to, to look at the trees, to look what's happening in my body emotionally, what's true for me. The other is learning how to look at the forest. And that is to contemplate the experience of even having an experience. How is it that I have an experience? What is the nature of consciousness mm. and reality? And so I help people to, again, be very clear about what's happening in their body, but also look mm -hmm. at how does experience actually work? Where does mm. it come from? You know, there's all kinds of things to fall in love and discover in that process as well. Mm. Yes, as hearing you talk about this, um, really what I love this perspective is that um, it doesn't command, it's not dogmatic. It's like, no, you have to feel this, do this or do that. It really, um, it basically is like people have to get in touch with who they are and have their own experiences. And I really love how you're talking about spirituality as your own experience, because with it's interesting because for people who are listening, we grew up in environments where um, they pro they tried to put religion and spirituality um, together. Um, and for a lot of us, it didn't really work so well because uh, religion told us what we had to experience and what spirituality was in their view. And if we weren't, then it was our fault. And we had to do a bunch of like confessing and rules to follow to make it create this I don't know, emotional state to make things work. And it's just so frustrating because a lot of religions, you know, because, you know, psychology is in its infancy. So of course, religions, they, they're not trauma informed because there was no knowledge of that. Then people were just, you know, living their lives and writing about their own experiences and getting wisdom from that and trying to help people the best that they could. Yeah. Um, but I think what is so wonderful about this healthy view of spirituality is 
um, I think this, it sounds like really this state of like non-judgment, I guess you would say of what you're experiencing, I guess you would say, or accepting your experiences and not fighting, I guess you would say, is that correct? Or. I smile. That's, that's the essence of it. Now the trick is the funny thing about it is you would think that accepting your experience and not judging it would mean <laughs> that you wouldn't have judgmental thoughts. You wouldn't have shame. You wouldn't have mm. Yeah. anger. You wouldn't contract or tighten in your body. That's not at all. Most, most of it is actually learning how to accept that. Now the, the big trick is to realize that acceptance is not something that you do with your emotions or your thoughts or your any other human faculty you might that might be the product if you learn how to accept you the product is a relaxation of all your resistance and all the pain that you carry but the path to accepting yourself is not by fighting the things that you're not accepting that doesn't work at Yeah. my experience if every time you say something judgmental or you think something judgmental or you're angry you're afraid if Yeah. you say don't be afraid you know you're you're basically in conflict with yourself you've pitted one part of yourself against another part of yourself Mm. i'm afraid but i shouldn't be afraid i'm being judgmental Oof. but i shouldn't be judgmental and you get stuck that's how you divide yourself Yeah. the trick is to learn that the experience of consciousness, that this moment is acceptance. Oh, wow. So what do I mean by that? I mean that I would, I would say that there's two things that are happening right now. Right now you have your, the things that you're experiencing, you have your thoughts, your feelings, your sensations, your emotions, you know, all these things, and they're moving, they're flowing. Your sensations keep changing, your emotions keep changing, Thoughts keep changing. You don't have much control about that. You really don't have any control about that. You just discover the next thing that you think, the next thing that you feel. You just have a thought just pops up into your head. The other thing that's happening is there is the experience of being aware. And so what I like to support people is to learn to recognize awareness. It's very, very, very powerful. Awareness is not resisting anything that happens. Awareness is just kind of like an open yes to life. And it's you that is aware. So the, the, what I teach people to do is instead of pitting your thoughts against each other, to learn to relax a little bit in your perception and really just allow the movement of your body. Realize when I say allow, what I'm saying is that awareness allows it. It's like... When you're listening to the sound of my voice, does your, does your hearing stop me from saying what I'm going to say? Or is it more like your hearing is a sort of receptive space that can only observe the sound of my voice? Mm Same hmm with your eyes. Do your, do your eyes ever reject anything that they see? Let's Mm take aside bright lights. No, seeing is the experience of just witnessing life happen hmm Yeah as it is. So acceptance is built into the experience of being of consciousness. Mm And what I teach people is rather to think about acceptance, to feel that life is acceptance. Oh It really is. Oh wow Life is just movement. Life is just movement going through your awareness. And if you can do this, then yes,
you can learn to accept everything. And most importantly, you can learn to accept all the things that you don't accept. You don't mm. have to try to accept so much. You can just relax into what actually is happening now. And when you relax into what's happening now, funny enough, things move more. Mm. Relaxation means that your problems, your pains, your uh, negative parts of yourself, they move. Yeah. In somatic therapy would say that your nervous system, as you relax physically, your nervous system will discharge the past. Mm. You only hold on to things through force and effort. Mm. But if you learn to relax, your body will discharge. Your body doesn't want to hold negativity and pain. Mm -hmm. It's very happy yeah. naturally to discharge it. But we have to feel yeah. the tension and learn to relax it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, that's definitely. I'm wow. I'm loving um, this conversation so much. I know my listeners um, are loving this so much too when they hear this. Um, but for people who experienced um, harmful religion slash spirituality, and that they want a healthy spirituality, but they're struggling with that, um, how would you help someone like that? Or would you tell them? The first thing I would do is I would listen to their experience. Oh. I would say, tell me more. Rather yeah. than me telling you more yeah. what you should do, my mm. experience, my orientation is, how can I actually feel more mm. what it's like for you? Yeah. Because what I believe is that your body is intelligent. Mm. It's intelligent. And if you're listened to and felt, your body will make great decisions. You will know mm. the way. You will yeah. be the source of your truth in life. And that might be involve me sharing mm -hmm. more about my experience and, and teaching. Mm -hmm. The most yeah. important is that when we're, when we're looking for the truth or when we're looking for what to do, mm -hmm. then our own experience is the source of that. So somebody comes to me and says, I don't know what to do. I've had all this trauma. I would say, Tell me more. You've had all this trauma. What, is it, what does it mm. feel like? What are you? Yeah. What mm -hmm. are you actually describing? How can I meet you in that experience? Yeah. If we can meet you in your experience. We can discover actually what you need. Often, mm. I say to people, it'll come from you. I don't even have to tell people. Yeah. A lot of the time, they will mm. tell me the answers. And yeah. All it takes is for their body to move more. Mm. When we're stuck. It doesn't feel good. We don't have a lot of creative solutions. But when movement starts mm -hmm. to happen emotionally in our energy, so we start to relax, new possibilities emerge. Yeah. And the question is, how do I support the new possibilities that emerge? Not should, what possibilities should I prescribe? Mm. Not to get into a place where this movement is happening. There are several things that are very helpful. One is to, is to find people who can really meet you who, who have integrated or mm. who have connected to the younger parts of themselves and can meet you and feel you when you're younger. Yeah. I mean, if, if I can't feel you, it's because I can't feel myself. So mm. there are people who are very connected to themselves, again, like I experienced. And the more connected I am to myself, the more I'm going to be able to relate to or actually feel you and receive mm. you. And so the first thing that I would recommend for any human being is find people who can feel you, who can mm. meet you, find people around whom when you sit with them, you feel connected. Mm. This will change your life. This experience itself will change your orientation on what's possible. It'll actually 
move you to a different level of consciousness where connection mm. is something that is real that you can feel. Mm. Out of connection comes love and care, yeah. generosity, responsiveness, all these beautiful things. And you want more of that, I would assume, mm. most likely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. from if you get a taste of what it is that you're seeking, you'll want more. And your path will become the mm. felt desire for more of what is nourishing and true for you. So that's mm. the first thing that I would say. There also is traditionally a path called meditation. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful people. It's very different. I, I actually almost, I, I, not like I don't teach meditation. I spent un, uncountable numbers of hours meditating mm -hmm. in my life, but it's not a relationship with someone else. It's not mm -hmm. really about other people seeing you. It's not about expressing. It's really a different practice. And I think that it's really for those who are attracted to it. If you mm -hmm. want to learn how to meditate, it's very powerful and wonderful. But the, the the meditation, just like spirituality, can be many, many things. But the meditation that I'm most interested in is really a meditation that can show you that consciousness is acceptance. Mm -hmm. You can really get that this moment is the experience of acceptance that, that, that mm -hmm. you are witnessing this effortless movement of thoughts, feelings, and sensations. There's lots of traditions that can, that can point you to meditation practices that will help you relax and, and learn to, you could say, accept yourself more. So that's a very, very powerful thing to be able mm -hmm. to do on yourself if you're self-motivated to do that. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of great ways to do that. But what I do in the world is I say, why just do one of those things? Why just learn how to relax and accept yourself or just be seen by another person? Why not combine that into yeah. a full life where I am sinking deeper into my own experience and my understanding of reality mm -hmm. yeah. at the same time that I'm learning to relate to other people so mm -hmm. that I can share with them, but also receive them in their experience. Mm -hmm. So that's my, that's what I'm creating in the world. You know, you spoke about culture. So, uh, if anybody is interested in what I do specifically, you know, you're welcome to go to my website and look, but there are many people in the world who mm. are discovering this, who are recognizing yeah. that this is possible. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I noticed that you do help people find spirituality. So like, are you a spiritual life coach or spiritual teacher? What do you label yourself in that aspect? It depends who I'm talking to. <laughs> oh gotcha there's okay. lots of people that i work with who are really comfortable with the term spiritual teacher i work with mm -hmm. a lot of people who've had a lot of experience with other spiritual teachers and for those mm -hmm. most of those teachers are either meditation teachers uh -huh. mostly meditation teachers yeah. so they come to me and i'm like yeah i'm a spiritual teacher and they go oh that makes sense i know what a spiritual teacher is mm -hmm. there's some people in the world who the term spiritual teacher sounds like a I don't know, a cult leader. Yes. So I wouldn't use that terminology for them. Sometimes mm -hmm. I just tell people I help, I help people. Mm. Uh, other people, I'd say I'm a somatic therapist. Mm. Okay. It makes sense. And that's what they're looking for. But, mm -hmm. but what, how I would describe myself is that evermore, my body and my experience don't feel different. Mm. 
That means when I hear your voice or when I look at the trees or my dog's barking up sound, I don't feel that being as separate from what I'm experiencing mm. in my inner world. So what this means is I feel my whole experience the same way that I feel my body. Mm. Experientially, my body is merging with the rest of life. What that means is I care about the trees and the, my dog and you in the same way that mm. I care about myself. And my job in life, my desire is to extend the care that I have learned to give to myself personally mm. into the rest of life. The same path that I have discovered from my own body, this path of accepting and connecting and caring for and expressing mm. i am this is taking me to a place where i don't feel very separate from my world and i'm mm. just extending my path into the world now so i'm really just doing for others what i've done for myself mm. and yeah people have lots of names for that but for me it's just fun it's just <laughs> really, really interesting and fun yeah it's a source of motivation and joy mm. and love. I love mm. it. I love yeah. it more than as much equal to the first day that I discovered that I had trauma and I could mm. do something about it. Yeah. So, mm. Again, I just, I'm mean, somebody who's just extending yeah. my own process into the world because it mm. feels very natural and accessible to me. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And for anyone listening, I'll put the link to um, Lacey's website. So if you would like uh, to um, work with him and work on your um, issues with spirituality, if that's your desire, uh, I'll put a link to his website. Um, and I'm just asking, I'm not sure, do you offer like a free consultation for people if they want to? I, I do. I offer free consultations and I'm also trying to do free events regularly. Mm. Okay. Um, I do I do events based on two things. Again, I'm, I, I I try to be clear. I sort of see two paths. Again, I do offer both, but there's mm. one that's based on connecting with other people, mm. and then there's one that's more based on contemplating or recognizing the nature of consciousness. It's mm. like looking and feeling. How does this moment, this experience, actually work? And they're not really that different. I would mm. say the reason I can't recognize consciousness is because of trauma. Mm. And if I do understand the nature of reality, I'm going to have to recognize that I've been traumatized. So mm. both paths will eventually lead to the same place. But anyways, I do free events, introducing people to these two different elements of what I teach. And I have an events calendar. I have recordings I'm trying to get more on the internet, more recorded material on the internet that people can mm -hmm. have free. And I, if you sign up to my uh, email list, I have a bunch of free meditations that show mm -hmm. a little bit about how we can learn to relate to our bodies in a relaxed way, how to access mm -hmm. the, this natural acceptance, which I think mm -hmm. is the foundation of reality. Yeah. So those are the ways that people can get in touch with me. The free meditations, I have live events, which are free. Um, usually every month I have some recordings more every day and I do offer free consultations. I would say the people who do best with me are the people who previously have a lot of experience either meditating mm -hmm. or in yeah. uh, therapy, but that's not a hard rule. As you're saying, mm -hmm. millennials and Gen Z, there's something happening. Yeah. 
we're getting it faster. Mm-hmm. Yes. The world is growing. And so mm-hmm. I'm really excited about, not that I know the age of your audience, but I'm really excited about working with young people because I think mm-hmm. that they hold more potential. Mm-hmm. Just the nature of reality. We all mm-hmm. stand on our parents' shoulders. We take mm-hmm. it further than they did. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're curious about working with me, I'd be happy to hear from you and meet you. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Um, before we end this interview, is there anything else um, you would like to say um, to people listening? Well, I, I guess I would just emphasize that the process of discovery, or what is true for myself, or what is universally true about life, it's fun. Mm. There's a lot of challenge that comes with it, but it's fun. And the best thing that you could do is to fall in love with the process of discovery with yourself. Mm. So that's what I would emphasize is that for me, this is the most interesting thing, the most exciting thing that I've ever applied myself to. And it's been very fruitful. Mm-hmm. But the, the most important thing is the drive or the love of discovery. So mm. I hope that I can support that in, in you by you know, listening to me speak. But you know, I, I hope that if you have that love of discovery, if you find this interesting, if you find yourself interesting in yeah. this way, go for it. Mm. Oh, yes, yes. I know. Thank you so much, Blaze, for coming on this show. I have greatly um, enjoyed this conversation and hearing your experiences um, with spirituality and how you help different people. And for anyone listening, again, I'll link his website below. Check out his work. Um, thank you again, Blaze, uh, for coming on the show. My pleasure. And thanks for doing what you do. Good to oh, meet you. Good to meet you too. And thank you everyone for listening. And this was Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.